I'm Randall Mintz with Anchor 7 Livestock in Vernon, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. So all you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, wheat harvest is moving forward across Texas, but there is much less wheat to harvest this year, with nearly 70% of our wheat crop abandoned. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For row crop farmers, making money could be a little more difficult this year, given the slump in commodity prices. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about marketing strategies. Farmers, ranchers, and rural communities fared very well on issues important to agriculture and rural living during the 88th session of the Texas Legislature. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a wrap-up report on the legislative action on Texas Ag Today. The 25th International Grassland Congress was hosted by the American Forage and Grassland Council in Covington, Kentucky, May 14th through the 19th. I personally hosted the Central Grasslands pre-Congress tour in Texas and Oklahoma the week before. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas wheat harvest is moving across the state. The latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report shows about 18% of the wheat crop now out of the field. Custom harvester Paul Paplow is currently harvesting in the Wichita Falls area. He says the rain there is causing some challenges. So far, we've had a lot of wet weather. Uh, we actually started combining about a week and a half ago. We got two hours of combine in one night, then it started to rain, and, and we sat for a full week before we did anything else. Paplo says the yields so far in the Wichita Falls area have been decent. Yeah, it's been very good. Uh, I think the lowest we've done so far is about 38 bushels, up to 50 bushels an acre. And he hopes the rain doesn't cause any more delay. We probably have about another 10 days of cutting left here, so with the rain in the forecast, that I would assume we'll be here another two weeks would be my guess. Paplo starts his harvesting season in the Texas Rolling Plains and finishes up in August in North Dakota. We are expecting to see some high abandonment rates on winter wheat this year thanks to the drought that stretched from Texas up through Kansas and Nebraska. USDA's Brad Rippey says we may see the highest wheat abandonment rate in over a century, with about a third of the crop abandoned. That 32.6% abandonment number for 2023, that is the highest number in the United States since World War I, the year 1917. The abandonment number in 1917 was 34.4%. Here in Texas, we have the highest abandonment rate in the nation, with farmers giving up on about 70% of our wheat crop. 
The cattle industry is taking issue with a new bill introduced in Congress last week called the Opportunities for Fairness in Farming Act. National Cattlemen's Beef Association CEO Colin Woodall says the bill targets the checkoff, but there's more to it than that. The concern is that this is not about the checkoff. It's actually about animal activists attacking us as beef producers. And the reason why I say that is when you look at the provisions of the OFF Act, the bill that was put in place or introduced rather by Senator Cory Booker, who's a Democrat vegan from New Jersey, and Senator Mike Lee, who's a meat-eating Republican from Utah, you can quite clearly see that they don't understand how the checkoff works. Woodall says this bill is part of a bigger effort to slow down meat consumption. So they figure the best way to hit us now is just to make it harder for us to do what we do. And in honesty, when you look at that strategy and the checkoff and the off act, it shows that the checkoff is extremely successful because we have been able to build some great beef demand with the checkoff programs. And these animal activist groups know that if they make it harder for us to use the checkoff, then hopefully that will impact demand. In CBA's Colin Woodall. Making money could be a little more difficult this year for Texas High Plains farmers. James Hunt takes a look at some possible marketing strategies that may help. Commodity prices available to row crop farmers are simply not as strong today as they were a year ago, which may make marketing strategy all the more important. D.D. Jones, a risk management specialist for Texas A&M AgriLife in Amarillo, encourages producers to be watchful for periodic price swings. There's certain times of the year, usually right before planting one, we'll usually have one in the middle of summer where they can take advantage of some spikes in the market. It's also a good time to really pay attention to just the overall news. As an example of paying attention to the news, Jones points to the way wheat markets tend to jump whenever Russia threatens to abandon the Black Sea Grain Export Agreement. But even as Jones advises farmers to look for spikes that can provide marketing opportunities, she also warns against holding out for a return to previous price levels. If things stay kind of status quo, then I wouldn't expect to see those 7 $8 corn or $12 wheat that we've seen in the last couple of years. So when they move forward and start to try to market the crop, know your break-evens and market according to what you need to be profitable. Don't market according to what you got last year or the year before and wait it out to try to hit that price again because there's a pretty high probability that's not going to happen. And here's advice from Jones for our livestock producers. The cattle price outlook looks really good right now, but the other side of that is that it's still relatively expensive to feed those guys, whether it's buying grain or buying hay. Hopefully this pasture will recover with all the strain that we've been having, but make sure that you stock the adequate number, don't overstock. And then just keep in mind that it will take a little while before those hay prices start to drop. So in the meantime, just do the best you can to manage your expenses and manage your cost of gain. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The 88th session of the Texas legislature was a good one for Texas agriculture. Tom Nicoletti has a wrap-up of the session. In the Waco studio today is Texas Farm Bureau State Legislative Director Charlie Leal. And Charlie, uh, certainly the Texas legislature had a lot of work this session and uh, recently adjourned. And uh, there was some uh, good news for Texas agriculture. Uh, That's right, Tom. This session concludes with several pieces of legislation that have already been signed by Governor Abbott or are currently on his desk that would be huge wins for farmers, ranchers, and rural Texans. So highlight some of those victories. The protection of the right to farm in this state, in state law, and potentially in the Texas Constitution was passed on to the governor and will also be on the statewide ballot in November. 
Uh, you also have enhanced landowner and livestock owner liability protections. Also passed was legislation ensuring that alternative meat products are properly labeled and not a misrepresentation of a traditional protein source like beef or chicken. Also passed was a billion dollars toward financing projects that will lead to the acquisition or creation of several million acre feet of new water supplies by the end of 2033. We also saw $1.5 billion for the expansion of broadband and connectivity throughout rural Texas. The Texas legislature also passed a requirement that drivers of electric vehicles will pay their fair share towards the maintenance of our public roads. So a lot of work done, but more uh, to go. Absolutely. Governor Abbott announced that much more was yet to be accomplished and almost immediately called the legislature back for the first of what he stated would be several special sessions. Governor Abbott has set property tax reform and border security related to human smuggling on the agenda for the first special session. That is Charlie Leal. He is Texas Farm Bureau State Legislative Director. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A group of forage specialists recently toured Texas and Oklahoma. Texas A&M Forage Specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson hosted the tour. The tour began in Corpus Christi with the first stop at King Ranch in Kingsville. The King Ranch covers 825,000 acres, which is more land than the state of Rhode Island. Over the course of over 160 years, the King Ranch has led some of the first cattle drives, developed the Santa Gertrudis and Santa Cruz breeds of cattle, bred the finest quarter horses, and produced champion thoroughbreds. King Ranch is a major agribusiness with interest in cattle ranching, farming, luxury retail goods, and recreational hunting. Additional stops in this part of Texas included the Caesar Clayburg Wildlife Center, the Serpentarium part of the National Natural Toxin Center, and South Texas Native Grasses at Texas A&M before heading to San Antonio and the Hill Country. The next tour stop was the Hilling Don Ranch in the Hill Country region of Texas, west of San Antonio. The family uses registered Angus cattle, fine wool sheep, angora goats, and white-tailed deer as tools to manage the native plants adapted to that ecoregion. The Hilling Don Ranch operates under a range management system that matches the number and types of livestock with the land's ability to produce forage. The result is high-quality products and a healthy, thriving landscape. From the Hill Country, the group traveled east to Madisonville. Dr. Jason Clear, beef cattle specialist out of College Station, hosted the group for a tour at the GKB Cattle Windy Hill Ranch. The group saw an introduced forage system, Brahmin and F1 Brahmin by Hereford Cross Cattle at Windy Hill. At the conclusion of the Windy Hill Ranch tour, Dr. Clear hosted them at his ranch for an Aggie Prime Rib lunch. The next stop in Texas was the Texas A&M AgriLife Research and Extension Center in Overton. The center currently is home to research programs encompassing pasture utilization and forage quality, annual ryegrass and small grains, forage legumes, animal physiology, and horticulture. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. You shouldn't forget about your cows when trying to improve the genetics of your herd. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? Well, I'll listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Many cattle producers tend to focus on their bulls when trying to improve the genetics of their herd. But Dr. Bob Judd says you shouldn't forget that your cows hold half of your herd's genetics. We need to remember that the cow contributes one half of the genetic potential of the calf, but also contributes 100% of the calf's environment to express that potential, both as a fetus and as the mother raising the calf. Dr. Fleurty indicated at the American Wagyu Association meeting that Wagyu breeders are doing a good job at paying attention to the cow, but all other breeds need to be doing the same. Keeping our cows in good body condition is critical to be successful in the cow-calf business, and a key part of that is a good mineral program. If you are not supplementing minerals to your cows, contact your bovine veterinarian for advice on a mineral program. Dr. Fleurty also indicated that feeding corn as a supplement is not a good idea, as research has shown that feeding corn increases calf birth weight. Forage is the most important part of the nutritional program for a cow-calf operation, and we certainly do not want to increase calf birth weight, which could lead to calving problems. We do want intermuscular fat development, which is marveling in the meat. So we want to get this by feeding a highly digestible and nutritious forage rather than by feeding corn. Dr. Fleurty mentioned, just remember, corn is for steers and good forage is for cows. He indicates that high-quality forage is needed to increase the energy of the diet so that every drop of milk has a little more energy. So we need to increase the milk fat by increasing forage digestibility, as this allows the cows to produce more colostrum and increases energy in the milk. Colostrum is the first milk that is so important for calf survival. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas is known as the home to any critter that can sting or bite. Jessica Domel says the tick is one of those critters. As you are out and about enjoying the warmer weather this time of year, be sure to check yourself and your pets for ticks. According to the Texas Department of State Health Services, ticks are most active during the spring and summer. And even if you use a bug spray to deter ticks, they may still crawl on your shoes, clothing, and other materials, hoping to find a host at a later time. That's why it's so important to check yourself and your pets before you head back inside after time outdoors. In addition to being a nuisance, ticks can also carry and transmit a number of diseases. Ticks are almost a soup of pathogens and microbes in them that can cause problems both for humans and animals. That was Lee Townsend, a University of Kentucky professor emeritus and extension entomologist. Townsend told USDA Radio that ticks can carry a number of diseases, including anaplasmosis, ehrlichiosis, Lyme disease, tick-borne relapsing fever, and tularemia. And according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the number of disease cases connected to ticks has more than doubled in the last 15 years. Townsend said every couple of years we learn even more about ticks and the damage they may cause humans and pets. According to DSHS, clinical symptoms and signs of anaplasmosis and ehrlichiosis are nonspecific and typically include fever, headache, muscle ache, and fatigue. Symptoms for many of these things are mild and they can resemble a summer cold. So in many cases, we may have been exposed to a tick-borne disease, not really had a serious impact from it. Some of the diseases transmitted by ticks can cause death or serious injuries. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market was on fire Thursday, but how did it wrap up the trading week on Friday? We'll take a look back at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. 
Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I wasn't. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Well, listen in the barn, skill loader, tractor, and just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on in the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We are back into record territory for some segments of the cattle market on Friday. Cattle futures continue to move higher, and that definitely a positive move to cap off an exciting week in the cattle market. June live cattle up $1.52, 176.42. The August up 52 cents, 172.90. October live cattle up 12, 176 even. Feeder cattle futures moved higher on Friday and we're flirting with some record levels that were set back in 2014. Once you get into these mid-240s on feeders, that's where you'll start seeing some records being set. August feeder cattle up 25 cents, 241.90. September feeders up 5 at 245 even. October feeder cattle up two at 247 even. Cash fed cattle market, another place we've seen some records set here in Texas. We sold cattle as high as 180. That is an all time record price for our area. That's nine bucks higher compared to the previous week. However, we still see that big gap between northern sales and southern sales here in Texas. We're at 180. Up north, we saw live sales at 188 this week. Eight bucks higher than we sold cattle here in Texas. Dressed prices, 290 to 292 from the northern feedlots. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday. Choice up 217, 308.61. Select up 393 at 290.25. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My friend Carl Herman sells cattle in Caldwell every Wednesday. Carl, how'd you sell them this week? We had a really good sale yesterday uh, at around 600 head uh, for 91 consigners and 46 buyers on the higher calf market and cow market. Uh, we had 100 cows and bulls yesterday, slaughter cows 60 to 116, slaughter bulls 75 to 123, stalker cows 825 to 1400, and pairs 1200 to 2300. On the, uh, on the calf side, on the steers, two to three weights, 250 to 295. Three to four weights, two forty-five to three oh five. Four to five weight steers, two forty to three dollars. Five to six weights, two twenty-five to two forty-five. Six to seven weights, two dollars to two thirty-seven. Seven to eight weights, one eighty-six to two fifteen. On the heifer side, two to three weights brought two twenty-five to two eighty. Three to four weight heifers, two thirty-five to two eighty-seven. Four to five weights brought two twenty to two thirty-five. Five to six weights, two oh four to two thirty-two. Six to seven weight heifers, 191 to 225, and the seven to eight weights, 176 to 185. Overall, had a lot of good cattle, had a great day, and uh, this market's really good, and we look forward to next week. Well, we'll touch base with you before that next sale, see what you've drawn, tell folks about it. Now, you tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Carl Herman. Okay, my number's uh, 979-820-5349. 
Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're in the Giddings and the surrounded area, call Max Evner at 540-8676. Carl, love to hear your voice, love talking to you, and we'll do so again next week. I enjoy it too. Larry, thank you so much. And neighbor, we enjoy getting to talk to you on Walking the Pins. Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, you're listening to us right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished sharply higher on Friday. June hogs up 317, 86.72. The July up 260, 84.65. Class 3 milk was lower. June milk down 37 cents, 1526 a hundredweight, while July milk was down 45 at 1611. The cotton market closed mixed on Friday. Old crop July was lower, but the new crop contract finished higher. Support on those new crop contracts coming from the USDA export sales report released Friday morning. It showed net sales of 267,800 running bales. That's a nice jump over the previous week's report and up 44% from the prior four-week average. We close with July cotton down 37 points, 86.05. October up 51, 82.82. With December cotton up 27, 81.85 cents a pound. Corn and wheat both closing strongly higher. Corn market continues to get support from concerns over dry weather in the Midwest Corn Belt. July corn up 16 and a half at 609 a bushel. September corn up 11 and a quarter, 535 and a half, with December corn up 11 and a quarter, 541 and a quarter. Hard and soft wheat both gaining ground on Friday. July Kansas City wheat up nine and three quarters, eight twelve and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up eight and a quarter at six nineteen a bushel. In the energy markets, July natural gas up three cents Friday, two nineteen. July West Texas crude up a buck ninety seven, seventy two oh seven a barrel. The financial market sharply higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up seven hundred twenty one points, thirty three thousand seven eighty two. The Nasdaq up 136 points at 13,237. The S&P up 64 at 4,285. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.